Hi, and welcome back to the Alexa Podcast, Episode 5. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. My co-host is Kevin Old. Kevin, say hello. Hi, everyone. Kevin, great to be back with you. Uh, Kevin is a software developer for Lifeway here in town. Kevin, it feels like uh, it's been a while. It has certainly been a while. Looking forward to being back in the saddle with you. We've got a fantastic guest today, Aaron Amy of Brilliant. Aaron, say hello. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Aaron, what you're doing uh, is really fascinating. And what I'd like to do just to start the show off is for you to describe to us in the audience, give us your 30-second elevator pitch on what Brilliant does so the audience can understand. Brilliant is a new kind of smart home control. It lets you control any smart devices in your home via touch and voice from anywhere in the house. It does that by replacing a standard light switch. So it provides a smart lighting system out of the box. And then on top of that, it gives you a touch control right there where the switch used to be and uh, voice control as well, which includes access to Alexa. We talked a little bit before the show got underway about how a lot of great companies have the origin story of the founder or the founders needed something or they wanted something. They went to the marketplace expecting it to be there, waiting on them. It wasn't, so they had to create it themselves. That is the story with Brilliant. Share with us a little bit about how you guys got, got started. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, think, I think you're absolutely right that that's something that is a common thread amongst a lot of companies that get started because companies that are started not as some sort of abstract idea, but rather as a genuine need tend to better reflect a need because it's, it's real. It's something that the, that the founders felt themselves and felt passionate about and knew exactly what they wanted to bring into the world because they, they wanted it themselves. And that is what happened with Brilliant. I, I was uh, taking some, some time off after uh, I sold my last company and I was working on a home remodel project uh, at the same time, I was talking with uh, my co-founders about what we wanted to do next. And uh, I was putting in a lot of different smart home devices into my house. And I liked them individually, but I was finding that the more I put in the house, uh, the less I liked using my house. It was getting kind of artificial. It was strange that if I'm sitting on my sofa and I want to dim the lights in the room that I'm sitting there in, or I want to um, uh, you know, lock the door, that I would have to go get my phone and authenticate myself and launch an app and navigate some menus and move a slider. And it seemed like, you know, these things that were supposed to be making my life simpler and better were in fact complicating my relationship with my house. And I realized what I wanted. I wanted something that was very simple that lived all through the house as a sort of an ambient computing capability that was just always there. I expected it would be there because it's so necessary, not just for the homeowner, but imagine you're a guest in somebody's house and you don't have the right apps installed, you don't have the right authorizations, uh, or you're a kid, you don't have a, a smartphone yet. So it's just sort of a necessary thing in my view toward using the house. Uh, and I was kind of surprised that I went out looking for it and found that there wasn't any such thing. Uh, started a lot of research into it and talking with people who uh, were very active in the in the smart home market, and they all said, "Wow, you're right. That would be a really great thing if only it existed." Uh, that was before the the um, the Echo had had come out and before Alexa came out. So that, I think they've done a good job of providing those first steps toward toward ambient computing in the home. Still, we feel like the whole picture has to incorporate uh, touch, and it has to be ubiquitous throughout the entire home. 
uh, you know, one of our voice, voice first FM shows is this week in voice. And we keep track of all the different stories going on in, in voice technology every week. And Amazon makes that a little tough to keep up with because they've come up, you know, they're constantly rolling out new features. And my question for you is how has Amazon's leadership in the marketplace and constantly coming out with new things shaped the way that Brilliant and your core product has evolved since that point? Yeah, well, Amazon has done a really good job of maintaining relationships with those companies that they've identified as doing something interesting with Alexa. And we've been fortunate to, to be uh, amongst that population from the start. Something that Amazon is good at as a corporation is really approaching these kinds of things like a startup would. So I actually think it's easier to work with a company that's innovating fast uh, and is, is rolling out new stuff and is, and is trying new things because that's the way we are. That makes it very easy to understand because we're both just trying to make something uh, make something good. A lot of large companies move at a much slower pace. It's harder for them to introduce new things due to the way that their organizations are structured. Uh, Amazon keeps the teams pretty nimble. And uh, I think that that's been a, a big plus for us uh, because, you know, they, they're thinking about rolling out, you know, touch features and so on. Well, we've got touch features. Um, that actually makes it, in, in my mind, easier to, to work with them because when we say, you know, what, what we could really use, it doesn't come as a surprise to them. They're already thinking about it. Uh, there have been several of these instances where they've rolled things out that, that we're already working on, already thinking of. Uh, in some cases, it means that there's some work that we, that we don't need to uh, to pursue because they've roll, they're rolling out something that covers what we've already done. But the, that's far outweighed by the fact um, that it's just easier to deal with a corporation uh, from a startup's point of view that's busy innovating, that cares about their product and, and is improving it over time. So the light switch itself, the form factor appears, the very first thing I thought of was, this is an echo show that you just plastered over a light switch. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I think it's interesting just to think about the implications that Amazon coming out with the Echo Show may have on your business. I think it will, it will be very positive. What have you had a chance to use the Echo Show? Oh, absolutely. What are your thoughts on, on that product and, and uh, how has what have you learned from the Echo Show that maybe you've incorporated into your light switch? I would say with the Echo Show that, um, you know, I, I, we think it's a really important strategic uh, step for them. And, and actually, it's, it's, it's pretty funny because uh, the Echo Show came out three days after I, I published an article the, the, whose title was uh, Why the Next Echo Will Include a Screen. Um, so it, it didn't surprise us, although we had no inside information on it. You know, we, we expected that, that they would be coming out with one because just from our own experience in you know, understanding the user interactions and the user needs there, uh, it was necessary. Voice is great for some things. It's not great for everything. If you're trying to interactively uh, adjust the volume of something uh, or if you're just simply trying to do something fast and simple, you know, anything that requires any kind of interaction, anything that requires reviewing a lot of information, a voice-only interface is really not suitable for. So in order to expand the range of things for which an Echo could be used, Amazon needed to introduce something with a screen. It wasn't, wasn't a surprise at all. I would say I view it a little bit, I mentioned before, like Amazon operates in many ways like a startup. I think it's 
sort of an MVP in in some ways. It's first steps toward uh, toward touch. I think it's a good first uh, step. I think we've been working on uh, touch uh, interfaces uh, a bit longer than they have in this particular application, and also with a different size screen and a different location uh, and so on. So it, it, it's it's quite different. I think you'll you'll see that uh, you know what we've done is very tailored for the home. Uh, whereas the the Echo of all stripes, uh, including the Echo Show, is a more general purpose device. You know, with the idea being you can check, you can shop at Amazon, you can uh, you know use it as a general assistant and so on. Whereas we're very focused on the use within the home, and we've optimized our entire user experience around uh, controlling your home because that's the one application uh, that that we're really focused on. Now you can do anything on our device that you can do on an Echo. Uh, but that's not really what it's optimized for. What it's optimized for is seeing immediately everything that's in your house, being able to go straight to that uh, and and control it. Um, sure. So you know you can always do a, a you know better job for one particular application by building something specifically for that application. Yeah, yeah no, no doubt. And uh, you know it's just uh, uh, it's just interesting to look at the two. Obviously, yours is is going to be a much better much better suited for the home. You've been thinking about that for a, a longer period of time. You've obviously optimized for that. It's just, it's interesting to, to compare the two just on the, sort of the form factor alone. But you're absolutely right that the form factor of the device makes a big difference because the Echo Show being a standalone device that's you know, fairly substantial and it sits on a table and so on, that makes it a very different kind of device than something that is, sits inside your wall uh, just exposing a, a small screen where your light switch used to be. Um, the light switches have been designed to be interacted with. They're the home control that you interact with the most in the course of your day. So putting a touch screen there, it's a very natural thing to extend that from controlling your lighting to controlling, uh, to controlling everything. And you have sure. one in every room, so you can pick which rooms you want it in and so on. Whereas people aren't necessarily going to put, you know, 10 Echo Shows into their house. That would be a little obtrusive. Oh, uh, not a, yeah, not at all. And I think, um, as you just said, you know, it, having an Echo or an Echo Show or any of these things um, as sort of standalone hardware in your house uh, is very unnatural. Um, Amazon has sold us on it. They've done a good job of explaining the value of doing that. But long term, you know, these devices, just like the computer is like shrinking, shrinking, shrinking till it's going to go away and be embedded in your clothing or glasses or something like th these devices are going to uh, disappear. And so where are they going to go? Well, uh, being embedded in a uh, electronic panel that replaced your light switch is a pretty good guess. You know, you've got a fascinating uh, you got a fascinating product. I'm, I'm very impressed and intrigued. I read an article uh that was published earlier in, earlier in the year uh, via TechHive, and it mentions that um, it quotes you, I believe, uh, Aaron, saying uh, that you wanted an a la carte option because it suits your hacker's background. Um, and that, that kind of speaks to me. And I'm wondering what your take is on these devices uh, uh, as far as hackability or customizability customizable for the, the user's need. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that's fueled uh, the popularity of the Alexa platform uh, is obviously the ability to create new skills pretty easily as a, as a developer. And if you've got something that's appropriate, why wouldn't you have one? You'd have to be crazy not to. Um, and that's the kind of dynamic that you, uh, that you want. Uh, so we'll, we will be opening up our platform 
uh, to allow people to do uh, various kinds of third-party integrations. That's a very important part of that. And you know, my my background is very much coming from a kind of a hacker's point of view, uh, as are you know the backgrounds of both of my co-founders. Uh, so we feel very strongly that that's the kind of thing that we want to open up. At the same time, we're busy building a set of functionality right now, so it's more of something that we'll do uh, after launch than than the the thing that we're first uh, focused on. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. You have to prove like the consumer end and just get a very workable version out there and installed. And then uh, as uh, I assume as requests uh, and feedback comes in from users, you'll be able to tailor that that custom platform. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And you also have to balance that hackability with security as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, because yeah. obviously, you know, when you're putting devices into your house, you have to make sure that they're very, very secure. So, you know, you, what you need to do is create a kind of a sandbox where, you know, you've clearly defined what third party code can and cannot do on your device. Uh, because if you open it up, too much, then people will, you know, commandeer the microphones and the camera and so on. And that's, that's the last thing that you want. So it's very important to think about security to, to design security in from the, uh, from the ground up, um, and then be very thoughtful about how you open it up in a way that preserves people's, uh, security privacy, preserves the security of the device. And at the same time allows people to, you know, use their creativity and add things in that, that you would never have thought to, or had the resources to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually going right there with a security question. So, um, I know that, you know, uh, these devices, the, the more we place them in our homes and on our networks, you know, there's, there's all of these best practices about, you know, placing your devices on a different subnet uh, so that it's not with your main traffic. Um, and then obviously keeping those up to date with, with latest firmware. And um, I'm aware that uh, the Nest, for instance, has built their uh, device with a, um, uh, a way that they can push out firmware updates. And I was wondering what your uh, take is on that and how you guys have approached that, uh, that problem. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's one of the critical things that you have to do uh, because, you know, you're never going to get things 100% right as an engineer. Um, there's going to be a stability improvement. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new functionality that rolls out. So we don't look at this just in terms of security updates. We look at this the same way, for example, a Tesla does, where, you know, you buy, you buy a Tesla and then at some point in the future, it learns how to park itself. And then, you know, one day it can drive itself on the freeway. Someday it's going to be able to drive itself autonomously as long as it has the hardware sensors in it for it. Um, and so that we want the same kind of experience where you buy the product and then it just keeps getting better. It keeps adding new, new skills. So we've built in from the, uh, from the, the start and over the air update facility. Uh, the critical thing, again, as we were just talking about, is to make that secure. You know, it's, it's a disaster when you have devices that are uh, updatable by somebody other than the manufacturer. Uh, so you need to make sure that all of the code that gets uh, shipped out onto there is signed and that it's all sort of cryptographically secure and that you know uh, that an update is legitimate uh, and only apply it if so, and that you have a lot of uh, fail safes. We've seen a couple of these devices, not, not our devices, I mean a couple of smart home devices, uh, get bricked out in the field where people can no longer use them because an update failed, uh, and that's just completely unacceptable. So you have to be careful in engineering it in order to do it right and not rush it out, but, but take the time to, to engineer it properly. Uh, but, but we view that as just a fundamental requirement for the, for the market. 
because you know what we can do three years after launch is going to be markedly different than what we could do at launch, and you have to be able to incorporate that as as Amazon, as Amazon does, of course. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Amazon specifically and uh, the Alexa voice service, uh, Alexa skill um, uh, creation and, and maintenance. Um, what are your thoughts on the Alexa skill uh, building process and the Alexa voice service itself with, with the needs that you guys have? Yeah, so I mean, I think Amazon's done an amazing job providing a, a platform there. Um, and the creation of a skill itself is, is quite simple and straight, quite straightforward. It does require some use of Amazon's infrastructure, which may in some cases not be exactly what you do with a blank sheet of paper, but that's fine. I mean, what's important is that they've provided a really solid uh, infrastructure uh, and a methodology for using it. I do think that for our particular application, some of the choices uh, are a little bit less than less than optimal. Um, you know, in particular, the kinds of things that you have to say to invoke uh, uh, functionality that isn't part of the smart home skills API, for example. Um, so having to, to say, Alexa, ask brilliant to blah, 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 instead of just being able to say what it is that you wanted to do in your home. Um, so they've added that capability for lights and for temperature for some very specific use cases. Um, and I think they'll be expanding that over time. Uh, I know they'll be expanding that over time. I don't know exactly how. Uh, and that's going to be uh, a big improvement because it's rather strange for a user to be interacting with a brilliant control, speaking to Alexa, telling it to do brilliant, to, to ask brilliant to do something when you're speaking to the brilliant control. Um, so I think there are a lot of the clunkiness comes when you're accessing third party endpoints uh, like a brilliant control, but it's the same thing if you're, if you're using any kind of a third party endpoint. Uh, another thing is that they're, they're sort of endpoint agnostic. So you can't just sort of walk into a room and say, turn on the light. You have to specify what light you want, you know, this kind of thing. Um, so there are, there are a few things like that that are probably not quite the way uh, that they would have designed it if they were looking at home control as the fundamental use case right from the very beginning. But given that this was something that, you know, really took off in a way that I think they, they probably hadn't quite anticipated when they first designed it, I think they've done an admirable, an admirable job of adjusting to that and, you know, making it better over time. And I have confidence they're going to keep doing that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, how, so how close do you work with uh, the Alexa team? Have you been giving feedback to Amazon uh, with your use case or was it something you were able to, uh, you know, build your skill and, uh, and just run with it without engaging uh, the engineering team? No, no, we've, we've been giving them feedback throughout. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I'm sure other people have been giving them similar feedback. So I'm not going to claim credit for all, uh, all the wonderful new things that they've that they've launched and so on. But uh, I think it's important in a partnership that it's a, a bi directional thing and that you're trying to trying to make things better, uh, as, as well as your partner, uh, and giving them all the all the feedback there. And I, I think it wasn't I don't think we gave them any feedback that was exceptionally surprising to them because they have a good team working there and they, they're thinking about these things. And you, know, you always understand uh, as an engineer or as a product person, uh, you, know, you know quite some distance ahead uh, you know, the ways in which your product can be improved because you're, you're actively working on it. Uh, but it's still good to get that feedback from the market rather than just uh, just internally. So we, we've we've been providing them with feedback, and they've been uh, very good at, at listening to it. That's awesome. One last question I have. Um, so I noticed in that same Tech Hive uh, article, 
talks about a built-in slider to cover the camera um, when it's not being used. I think that's huge. That's something that these devices like the Echo Show um, or any, any other device, you know, including laptops that, that uh, come with cameras these days, you know, they don't have that, uh, that thought that went in to um, adapting something for privacy. And I just wonder if you could talk about uh, how that, that slider came about in, in your development process. Yeah, it, right from the start, I felt that that was absolutely essential. Uh, you know, we have partnerships uh, across uh, a lot of different uh, sectors in, in smart home. And, uh, you know, some of some of our advisors who, who you know, were executives in the security industry uh, had told us, you know, one of the things that's interesting to know about security is that um, the security industry has managed to put a lot of cameras outdoors and not nearly as many indoors. Uh, and in thinking about that, you know, the, the main consumer ex- uh, objection that's cited is privacy and aesthetics. You know, you don't want a, a camera there in the room making you feel self-conscious uh, and you also want to be able to easily turn it off and on. So, you know, with the brilliant control, the camera isn't sitting there staring at you. It's, it's a very discreet little, little camera uh, and you wouldn't necessarily look at it and think it was a camera at all. Um, and we, we knew that it was essential to put, uh, to put the, the privacy shutter on there because, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right at identifying that as a, a very, very important consideration because I think if you're going to put cameras in, in your home, you want to you control when they're, uh, when they're on and, and when they're off. You can only trust uh, software so, so much. Uh, so you want to make sure that there's something that's opaque that, that's in front of it. It's very simple. And little things like that are very important uh, in people's homes because homes are, are a place where you count on privacy uh, and you, know, you count on it being your space and it's under your control how, how, you're, how it's configured. So yeah, we agree with you that that's very, very important. And it is surprising how few devices uh, do that sort of thing. Are there any plans within your product roadmap to incorporate uh, Google Assistant, Siri, or other uh, voice assistants, or are you satisfied just ha- being Alexa-centric or Alexa-only? Yeah, boy, we could, we could talk for a whole half hour about that. Um, I, I believe that in the future, we're going to live in a multi-assistant world. I don't think that any of the voice platforms that are out there now or any of them that are going to be introduced are going to do everything that you want them to do. And just like you might talk to different friends when you have you know, different things that you want to talk about, uh, you'll want to talk to different assistants when you have different things that you want done. You know, right now, I would say uh, you know, Alexa has, the, has the, a strong lead when it comes to home integrations and control and so on. And obviously for shopping, that, that's, that's what you'd talk to. On the other hand, you know, Google Assistant or Siri, they do a better job asking general questions uh, and, uh, and, and, pro- and providing you know, answers in a more unrestricted uh, domain. Uh, and I think that's, that's going to continue and uh, there's going to be further differentiation and you're going to have new assistants that are being introduced all the time uh, for particular topics. And so our roadmap is very much to allow you to talk to whichever assistant you want to talk to uh, and uh, be able to, to allow you to do that seamlessly. You even see in the marketplace, I'm sure you, you, you've uh, 
uh, looked into the the partnership between Amazon and Microsoft, where you can access uh, Alexa and Cortana through each other. So, you know, the major voice platforms are already starting to uh, acknowledge that and starting to to think of ways to to work uh, together. I think it's a little bit clunky when it's done that way through through voice. Uh, I think it's more natural to just start talking to whichever one you want to and have it go uh, where you intend it. Uh, and that's what our view is of that user interface. And we don't think that that's a temporary thing. We think that long term that just makes sense from the consumer's point of view. The Microsoft and Amazon partnership aside, which yes, that is huge news, a huge development. Um, is there any uh, contractual stuff in the way, any, um, any sort of hindrance or roadblock from any of the companies that would prohibit you from having your, your panel in the home incorporate all the different assistants you know amazon's not making you sign something that says you can only have alexa running through your hardware are you or, or are they or there's nothing like that out there i hope well i mean you know i i, I think there there are ndas about some of the specific terms but but um i think amazon has a good understanding of the of the market and, and of what's and of what's needed there uh and i would think you can see that through through the the evidence of the the partnering with uh, with microsoft um, I can't speak for everybody. Uh, we haven't we haven't uh, worked with everybody yet on it, but we are working with a couple other folks as well. Um, and there seems to be a general acknowledgement uh, that you know each company obviously thinks they're good and they are good uh, at certain things, uh, but they recognize that there's value elsewhere as well. So I I think that that's inevitably the way that it's going. L last question for you. So. It's fascinating to me. We, we have a show on Voice First FM. One of our shows is called The Voice of Healthcare. And that show examines the rapidly growing intersection between voice technology, voice first technology, and uh, the healthcare sector in general. Have you thought about uh, the many different healthcare applications your panel could, your, your product could potentially have within the home? Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, there are a rich variety of applications. You know, once you get a smart device into the home that has all these kinds of capabilities and is connected throughout the home, uh, you know, just like once you put a computer in the home, suddenly you could do all sorts of things. Once you put a computer in your pocket, you can do all sorts of things. Same kind of thing. Once you have computers in your walls with uh, with these sensors, uh, it's going to open up all kinds of telemedicine applications. It's going to open up all kinds of elder care uh, applications. I mean imagine that you know your home is smart enough to know how it's being used now uh, a lot of us have you know, elderly parents and we you know they're they're on their own but we want to make sure that they're okay if if there's a disruption in the use of the house the house can actually communicate uh, with your 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 parent um, and if they're not getting a response they can alert you that there might be a problem you can check in and make sure it's okay uh, it, it enables you know, as you say direct telemedicine kinds of applications where you can talk to a, to a healthcare provider uh, directly and you've got you know video right right there and you can you know they can take a look at something or well, whatever whatever is needed there they can present information on the screen this is getting a little bit futuristic hospital systems and medical systems are slow to change so it's going to be a while before uh, before they can you know bring stuff up and show you your x-ray on the screen and you know all this kind of stuff but it's coming uh, it's absolutely coming and, and you know it's incumbent on us to understand that and to think about it today uh, because we're designing the systems that people are going to be using tomorrow I'm glad you named your company brilliant because what you're doing is brilliant we're gonna let you go so you can hurry up and get this product out to market so I can buy it 
Thanks so much. I'll get right on that. <laughs> Aaron, thank you very much for joining us. This was fantastic. Um, we greatly appreciate uh, your time, your insight, your expertise. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. For the Alexa podcast, Kevin Old and me, Bradley Metrock, thank you for listening. And until next time.